Hello and welcome back to CMO Combo, the show from CMO Alliance where we dive into the big ideas shaping the marketing leaders of the future. We're joined by Mike Benton, CMO of business insurance provider Superscript, and we're talking about the power and importance of branding for B2B, and why it's never too early to start thinking about it in a startup. Hi, Mai. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you, Will? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. And I'm very excited about this conversation because we've been we've been trying to get something on, on the books for a while. Like you've been, we've worked on, um, on stuff for the CMO Alliance uh, last year, and I'm really glad we've managed to get together to have this conversation today. And I hope you're excited about it too. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoy your, your podcast too, Will. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's always nice to speak to a fan, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, so the audience knows who I am. Um, do you want to introduce yourselves to our audience, Mai, um, so we can get to know a bit about you before we sure. get down to business? Sure. So I'm, I'm Mai. Um, I've had a very long career in retail, e-commerce, uh, in uh, consumer packaged goods as well, with more, more than 20 years of experience in strategic brand and digital marketing. Uh, I joined uh, the company I work for now in summer 2019 when it was called Digital Risks, actually. And a year, a year later, we were branded to Superscript, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. I think we, we're going to talk about that a, a fair bit. Um, so my, my role is, is pretty broad. I look after brand and PR, growth marketing, including all the performance media and customer lifecycle management, and also the creative team, which sits uh, in-house at Superscript. Um, and so I've been there for two and a half year, years now. We've seen fantastic growth in customer base, in, in revenue, but also in people. Um, so it's really nice to see that when I joined, I was employee, I think I was playing number 20, something like that. There's uh, over a hundred of us now awesome. at Superscript. Um, the team, the marketing team's grown hugely as well from, from three people to 14 now. And we are about to embark on our, Series B round of funding. So very exciting times at Superscript. Definitely, definitely. And you've also recently you were um, named our CMOs to watch list. And part of that was because of how much we like the branding at Superscript. So and that's flattered, what I feel. I'm, thank you so much. I mean, <laughs> it was really unexpected. And I'm, I'm really pleased that you took notice of, of Superscript. Well, it's because you built such a great brand. And that's what we're mm. talking about today. And it's, it's, it's one of those ongoing conversations is, is a brand important to a B2B business mm-hmm. and I know you've talked about um, not being pigeonholed into a b2b category mm-hmm. and I think that's maybe why you've been such um, such a driving force of building a great brand for superscript like was that something you were thinking about like was like bringing sort of b2 b2c tactics when it came to building the brand in a way yes so uh, when, when I was approached to join superscript and I realized it was a b2b brand my first instinct was, oh, actually, that could be a little bit boring. Uh, but having, having met the founders and realized what they built to start with, but also how open-minded they were and how uh, eager they were to actually uh, allow their CMO to, to build a brand really excited me. And I really saw an opportunity to bring a lot of my, the, the kind of B2C disciplines of, of brand marketing into a B2B business that's also, you know, bearing in my insurance, is perceived to be really boring, right? <laughs> uh, so, so I think that, that was actually one of the attractions of the role, I'd say. Um, and yeah, leap of faith. And it's, it's, been, it's been a fantastic journey. When I joined, there was no talks of rebranding, by the way. Uh, it was super script, uh, so digital risks. 
Um, but, but, but we quickly realized there was an opportunity to, to propel our growth um, through rebranding uh, and, and, and removing that the niche aspect of the brand that the digital risk conveyed to open up, you know, as we were opening up to new trade, new products, et cetera, and also to international markets. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really refreshing, I think, to work with founders who, um, who, who understand the, the power of, of branding. And, uh, and our CFO is the same, you know, I've had to, I've had to really um, showcase why we needed to invest in our brand and in brand marketing, um, the ROI we'd get. And they, they understood very quickly, you know, they're not, sometimes you work with founders who are just after short-term results, it's all about demand gen, you know, tactical activity that will drive immediate response, immediate customer acquisition, whatever your KPI might be. Um, but we super script, but we think we be, we're very good at balancing both, to, to, to be honest. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's great, it's great to hear. It's really refreshing as well, because it is something we hear a lot with startup CMOs, that they are very much restricted. They've got their hands tied. They, they want to work on, on the brand. They want to build a strong brand. But the demands mm -hmm. from the CEO, the demands from the head of sales is that demand generally yeah. needs to be it's got to be attributional. It's got to be, it's got to be measurable in terms of how you're increasing mm -hmm. revenue, and you can't always do that with a brand. But yeah, it does have many pros having a strong brand from an early stage. Like what it probably bears reiterating. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very much team brand building kind of thing. But let, let's let's dig into like why is it important to have a strong brand even in an early stage company. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's even more important. I think when you're a new brand, right? So, so Superscript. So if I if you don't mind, I'll just explain a little bit what Superscript is about for listeners who are not familiar, because we, you know, we're still we're still very new on the market, but we we are UK-based insurance challenger brand, and we identify as a challenger brands because uh, we exist to fix a problem that exists in small business insurance, right? It's a it's a it's a big segment of the business population, SMEs, but critically underserved uh, because insurance for small businesses is inadequate at the moment. You know, it is reliant on outdated coverage, generic, uh, generic and bundled products, very limited personalization, offline paper-based, time-consuming. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> the drill. Um, so we, and, and that's because uh, traditional insurers are bound to legacy technology and they can't evolve, adapt to, to individual needs of SMEs. Uh, there's also great demand for flexibility for and for digital first experience. So we've we've come in because we believe that insurance should be easy, fair, and flexible. Uh, and and so we've built our technology. We we uh, we've built our own sort of uh, machine learning, etc., to be able to provide uh, flexible, customized business insurance for specifically for for SME. And and that I think this is very very special, right? But when you deal with a category like insurance or, or finance as a new brand um it's it, it you know for, for for a customer you know you have to put your your big chunk of money into into a business business that you haven't necessarily heard about that you can't relate to so hence the importance of from the outset i think building a very very strong brand and often for startups it's left to to the next stage you know let's focus first on you know driving some leads and uh, and then Next round of funding. Let's think about. Oh, you know, is is our brand right? How how can we build a stronger brand? But we've we started from the very beginning with that premise that we need a, a brand that is distinctive, that has strong values, and that resonates uh, with our customers and that conveys the right things with our with our, our customers. Um, and I think it's got a lot of a lot of benefits, obviously. Um, 
for the for the long term, right? So you know, a strong brand means that you you know it underpins financial value, right? It's an intangible asset that underpins financial value, um, but also it's 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 brand equity, right? So you 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 build uh, distinctive brand assets, you build mental availability. It is strong brand equity, um, and and the added benefit I'd say that is proven at Superscript is that uh, a strong brand and brand marketing delivers. Um, greater efficiency of our performance media, so better productivity, so we convert better with our online ads, uh, we get um, better quality of sales calls off the back of brand, brand advertising, etc. So, so it's got a lot of benefit and I think it should be thought about from the very beginning. Um, it doesn't mean that you can invest in big brand awareness marketing, I, I know, I understand that, right, but I think Startups should, should really spend time crafting their brand, their messaging, you know, their visual expression, their verbal expression for, for, from the bidding, so that when they have the capital to start pushing it out, you know, you can drive a strong, distinctive uh, brand and recognition as well off, off the back of a very solid foundation. And, and it gives your customers and your, your potential customers something to connect with emotionally. And, and mm. we don't talk about enough in B two B that emotion does play a role like we'd like to think like business to business means we can all be very very yeah. clinical very very calculated that bothers me you know will but yeah, it is yeah. often what people tell me about you know b2b is so rational you know, you're dealing with the the, the cfo um it's all based on product features etc i i i don't believe it you know no, um no. The, the, the b2b buyers are human they're people who also respond to certain emotional triggers and there's a reason why we love brands as as consumers that don't necessarily have a better product right mm -hmm. so sportswear for example yeah. quality is probably quite similar but you you might prefer nike you might prefer adidas uh, and it's because of that emotional connection and the associations that they've built um, and i think the same applies to to b2b you know yes there's probably more thinking going into features and rational elements um but you know, I think because B2B is also a long purchase cycle and, um, you know, at any one time, you've only got a small percentage of the market that is in, uh, of, the, of the audience that is in market to mm -hmm. buy, I think it's even more important to build that relationship, uh, you know, over time, um, that, that, that recognition, that interest, that, um, so that when, when they are in the market to buy, they think of you, right? Because they've seen you, they've related with you as a brand. Definitely, definitely. I totally agree with you, Will. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's also to do with how how businesses change. When when B two B marketing was first being thought of, it was in the days of like big corporations were who you were marketing to. Whereas like now, there's a lot more entrepreneurs, there's a lot more startups, a lot more human focused businesses. You're not marketing to a business. You might be marketing to a person who runs a business as their, as their own thing, and they need mm -hmm. kind of like this emotional connection. They need mm -hmm. to be reassured by a strong brand. You can't just show like all these features and stuff at them like if they haven't heard of you they're putting their livelihood on the line to invest in working with you so having a strong brand gives that kind of reassurance before they even get into sort of like the buying phase that recognition phase is Absolutely. so important so important for b2b so there's probably a lot of people in early stage companies that think that yeah this this sounds like a nice to have still to have branding sorted out from an early stage but it sounds to me that you're very much on the team that is a must-have right from the outset Yes. Is there a way to sort of dispel the myth that it's a nice to have that you should be like focusing on brands right from the outset? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
you know, if you want to drive sustainable growth, you've got to build a strong brand from the beginning. And it's, it's you know, very important to, to craft it right so that when you're able to invest in driving that broad reach awareness, actually it's identifiable and it's recognizable. Um, and, and to be honest, well, there's no point in having a good product if you don't have an appealing brand that people can trust anyway. So in the early stages, yes, of course, you'll be spending a lot of time in, in uh, optimizing your product, you know, uh, ensuring product market fit, etc. I think it, at the same time, this is where you should also be optimizing your brand positioning, your visual expression, your uh, building distinctive brand identity and assets and a distinctive tone of tone of voice because they, they go hand in hand, right? It's um, and like I said, no point having a great product if you've got a brand that people just don't even notice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think what a good brand can help you do as well is bring to life uh, your, your purpose. Why, why you? I don't want to say it in a lofty way, but you know what? Why you exist and the problem yeah. you're trying to solve. Um, and you know, with with spending the right time in crafting that messaging, which for me is part of of the brand, you can really get ahead of of the, the competition. And it, it's not just about the product and the the better features. Like we, we just talked, it's not about being differentiated. It's also about being distinctive and. I think some, uh, just to borrow the, the terminology from Baron Sharp, I'm not sure you've, you've heard of him or, yeah. or have read how brands grow and that kind of thing, but I really like the way he referred to these as um, you know, mental availability. And I, it, I think it's just encapsulates really what the purpose of a strong brand sh- should be. Um, so I think it's, it's essential to, to brand growth as much as a great product is and as much as the physical availability is. And in the early days, you, you, should, you should definitely spend, spend time building this, getting this right. You know, get feedback from customers and optimize it over time so that you know, when, when you're able to go big and to scale, you've got very strong foundations. And we did that with Superscript, actually. You know, we, we, we spent quite a lot of time and, uh, crafting a brand and messaging a, a lot of time and it's it's all it's all in-house right um and we and we then started testing um the the brand you know through small small scale sort of radio tests out of home tests mm-hmm. getting uh feedback from customers because we we do like a brand service off the back and, and improving. And when we secured uh, a big round of funding for a series A, we were able to go big and actually to reap the rewards because you know, we knew we had crafted a strong brand. We knew we knew that it would, would work. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it sounds like a, a really good unifying exercise for the organization as well. As well, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working towards building a brand gives people alignment it gives people direction on what you're about like brand isn't just about the logo and like the colors behind the, the organization it's 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 the values it's what you what you stand for as a company and having that shared message has got to be a very very powerful thing for, yeah. for an early stage startup definitely. i'm glad that you mentioned that actually because i think brand and marketing is often seen as a you know to, to the end user mm-hmm. communication or framework but i think for me it's so much bigger than that, right? It's 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 a broad approach that guides a company's whole company's um, effort in achieving your goals internally and externally. It's it's a way of doing business, and it's as it matters as much that you're marketing to an audience as you do to almost to your employees. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the way I mean the way I see it, it's it's um, you know I I'd want to you know I'd want to I'd want users I want my target audience to be interested in the product, but I also want our employees to be proud of our brand, you know, and to to want to advocate for it and to be uh, to, to love it, to be happy to work for for our business because because they love our brand um, as much as we want our customers too. So it's uh, it's interesting how marketing has evolved actually it's it's got this it's it's very multifaceted now i think it's very multi-dimensional in so many ways which i absolutely love because i've, I've been around a long time and when i started it was almost you know it was the cousin to the sales uh it was talking at your customers right in the very early days and now it's it's um it's multifaceted it's multiple audience from your end users to your own employees to investors it's as much about strategy as it is about great tactics fantastic execution it's it's about short term and long term and it's it's evolved to be incorporating so much so much more data and and tech and tools as well and automation it's 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 so interesting definitely, <laughs> how, definitely. how it's changing yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be a marketer, definitely. And, yeah. and so part of that is to do with how quickly businesses are changing as well. Um, so the, there's a big switch to working from home. Like, that's not just going to be a flash in the pandemic kind of thing. Like There is going to mm -hmm. be continued practice. There's going to be a lot of businesses running that way. And having a strong brand is going to be even more important in those situations. When you don't have everyone sitting in the same room together working towards the same goal, having that brand identity that you're all sitting under is going to be very, very important. You might not be mm -hmm. in the same room. You might even be in the same country, but you're in the same company. You're under the same brand and you're working together to make absolutely. that brand stronger. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it goes the same with, with the, with the externally as well. I think that's why branding has become so much more important in B2B now as well, because mm -hmm. people are working differently. People are thinking about their work differently. They're thinking about the tools that use differently. Um, I don't know how, if, this affected you, my. But a couple of days ago, there was a big, uh, big crisis with Slack going down all over the world. Yes, that's yeah. affected yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like I had lost my arm not having access to that. <laughs> Slack has become a major part of my life. I love the brand Slack. It's become mm -hmm. very, very important to how I communicate with my team, with uh, with the rest of the company. It's my connection to the outside world, sitting in like my room doing my work every day, and that shows the power of a, of a great brand. If it was just an office messaging system i wouldn't have that connection to it if it went mm -hmm. down it goes down but slack goes down and oh no that's a, that's a big problem let's um, see we, we 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 have a lot of debate around slack i think there's a bit of a love-hate relationship with slack <laughs> uh, it's, it's, i'm very dependent that... on love it as well but people they are haters because you become so dependable don't yeah. you yeah, uh, but, to, but to have that emotional connection with mm -hmm. something that like maybe 20 years ago, you would have just seen as just part of, I mean, yeah. we didn't really have offices, office messaging systems in the same way 20 years ago, but yeah, you just see it as like part of the, your computer, just be like a little logo that you'd click on. Whereas like Slack's Slack and the same with Zoom as well. Like I think Zoom maybe has the advantage of the last couple of years, really giving it a boost in the, to turn it into a household name, but mm -hmm. Zoom's become such a big part of conversation. It's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll zoom you and stuff like that. It's become. Do you know, like a... I will. I can't wait until people will say I'm going to superscript it. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to Slack you. I'm going to zoom you, and I'm going to superscript my business. It's it's actually a very interesting way to put it. Right? You know, you've you've really, um, yeah, you've brought this to life in an interesting way. You know, this is when you become really so much part of 
it's part of a, of, of a way of life or way to do business, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, bit, yeah. like work is what we do with most of our waking hours. So why shouldn't we love the tools that we use to do it? And I think that's the importance of branding and B2B, B2B particularly in the B2B SaaS world. And I think there's a lot of great companies out there that have taken that to heart. So they're building communities now with their brands. Um, a great example that comes to mind, I've talked about on the show before, I love them. I don't even use them, but I love the brand. It's Gong. And I don't know if you're familiar with Gong, Mai, but they are. Um, they're, they're, they're a sales support uh, platform based in the States, but they've gone with a very, very brand first right from the outset. And they've seen massive growth as a result. Um, in fact, they had yeah. a Super Bowl ad. That shows the power of B2B branding now. The fact that we've got Super Bowl ads about B2B, yeah. about B2B companies. Is that is that something you're going to aim for with Superscript? Are we going to see a Superscript ad <laughs> at, at the Super Bowl? Yeah, why not? Maybe, you know. Um, you've, you've been doing some interesting stuff with the brand. You've been doing like some sponsorship stuff on stuff that isn't naturally, you wouldn't immediately yeah, connect with, yeah, with you, business you insurance. Yeah, you that ad when you reached yeah. out for the, the CMO Alliance, uh, mm-hmm. CMO to watch. And I was really pleased, actually, that you... You took notice because uh, there's a few things that we found that are really unexpected. I think for an insurance brand is, um, I think you mentioned the hundred, uh, yeah. the the content, uh, the, the great content activity that we run through ESPN, um, and I'm I'm really really proud of that one because it it had such a, a great impact on our brand perception amongst um, the ESPN audience of uh, uh, small business owners and people in the market for business insurance. Um, we, we, we run a brand tracker and literally every single metric was well above the norm that you would see for ESPN within the right audience for, for us as well in terms of brand recall, brand affinity, etc. And you know we, we did do a bit of a bit of work looking at okay, you know, if you want to go after small business owners and managers and decision makers, etc. But we want to do it in a way that is not boring, that is an environment where they can be more you know, relaxed and a bit more unexpected. And I was thinking about sports, obviously. Um, we, we, we looked at UCOF um, data, TGI index data, et cetera. And, and cricket was, was a very uh, natural choice, in fact, cricket and rugby, in fact, uh, over-indexed a lot with this with audience. But obviously, we don't have budget for big sponsorships. You know, we can't sponsor the, 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 the Gallagher Premiership or the sort the premiership, mm-hmm. the rugby premiership, should remove the name Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it was a very, uh, very. I think I'd like to say it's a very smart way to associate ourselves with with the hundred through ESPN, who have great reach with amongst uh, cricket lovers, partnering with cricket influencers, creating some great entertaining content and get our name out there because you see, you know, it's, it's, um, you've got uh, millions of impressions through ESPN social channels, etc. Uh, and, and we definitely continue to, to, to work with, with ESPN because it proved to, to deliver great, um, not just brand, but also traffic metrics um, and more co- and commercial metrics off the back. So that that's one that was a bit of a you know let's let's experiment let's try that let's see how it works and and it was surprisingly so uh so successful and then the other one that i think you, you mentioned to me as well was our uh, unbound mm-hmm. sports yes. tournament which yeah. was more of a let's say a bit sort of a b2b brand exercise mm-hmm. um and and kind of it was it was really about bringing the insurance community together in times of lockdown and do it for charity and it 
it probably ended up being bigger than what we thought <laughs> it was going to be when we when we we, we started off with, with this. Um, and every year, it was a second year. It got it got you know, bigger. We raised in total for charities five thousand four hundred pounds. Um, and we are we going to we're going to go even bigger next year. And I I, I think this is great because it it sort of brings to life the the way we disrupt things in insurance, but also the way we, you know, we, we market Superscript, the way we engage with our audience, whether they are partners or insurance partners, whether they are end users uh, with, with the 100. But I think generally our marketing is very different. You know, it, it is through these two activities I've just talked about, but if you look at our creative, uh, whether it's the billboards that we run or display ads or social ads, they really, they really grab your attention uh, but also in in, a, in such a way that conveys what we do, what we're about, in, in the very succinct manner and memorable way. So again, we run a, a brand tracker and we're able to see uh, recall on different channels, whether it's our radio ads. I don't know if you came across that, for example. Uh, we're running at the moment on NBC, but again, they really, really stand out for being different. They catch you, grab your attention. You know, with with a sign off, a very simple sign off, and again, radio ads have great recall, billboards, display. If every channel that we run actually has good brand recalls and drives some very positive shifts in brand perceptions, whether it's a brand for me, a brand that's innovative, etc. So, I think again, it goes back to branding and how it's important. You know, you could have a very strong media plan and get the be get the best reach and frequency and CPM, the rest of it, but if your creative is not uh, on brand or uh, distinctive enough, it's it's kind of wasted, isn't it? The, the two have to work hand in hand. Very powerful creative with great great media. Yeah, you mean you can't do you can't do um, out of home marketing with just a list of features. You need a brand, like you said. Like mm -hmm. I, I I don't know if it was confirmation bias, but I remember after after I first spoke to you last year and. Um, it seemed like I was seeing superscript everywhere on, on buses, on the side of telephone boxes and bus stops and everything. And I'd be pointing out to my friends, like, I've spoken to the CMO of that. And, like, yeah, <laughs> and it, I, you know, we, we, out of homes really work for us, yeah. actually. And yeah, it's, it's a broad reach channel. And the, the, uh, when we went out of home, it's not, it's, we're not expecting like a, a, a direct uplift in, um, in quotes. Uh, that's not that's not the point, right? It's it's really about um, making sure that all those all those people that are not in market right now that we we could grab through search, right, to search channels, you know, they they take notice, they know we exist, they understand what we do, and and that we get their share of mind. Really, so it's, and I'm going back to this mental availability, but that's that's why it's important to do that kind of stuff. And if you can afford it, to do it with a you know, a good level of, of frequency to stay to stay top of, top of mind so that when these people are in market that you know, they remember you for something really um you know really memorable and actually um, I, I think our ads really are because like you say you know the, the number of anecdotal feedback i have of i see you everywhere but also we've seen that through what people are searching so obviously direct searches uh, when uh, direct sessions go up every time we do out of home, but also people can search in relation to the creative that we mm. <laughs> that we've been running. So it's, it's true evidence that uh, uh, people have, have have taken notice. And, um, and like I mentioned, it's not just direct searches and brand searches that that they're just growing incredibly, uh, you know, month on month. Uh, it, it's the fact that um, 
we improving the performance of our paid activity thanks to the brand activity that we're running, which is why it should work. You know, that's yeah. the whole point, isn't it? So more people are more likely to click on that text ad on Google, uh, people are more likely to click on our organic links, uh, on our social ads, it's because we, we've become familiar, right? Familiarity is very important. You trust brands that you're more familiar with, aren't you? So um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's really, it, it's great, I think. But, but familiarity is built over time. You need consistent messaging, consistent creative, et cetera. So, so I think the mistake that some brands do is, you know, every campaign looks very different. Uh, let's do this, this uh, autumn, winter, let's change it. So we, we are very consistent in the way we kind of look um, every every campaign that, that we run. Uh, and that allows us to gain that sort of, um, not just distinctiveness, but the, um, you know, the, the, the brand association is, it becomes stronger and stronger campaign after campaign. Definitely, definitely. And, and it, it sounded like, when, when you were talking about the the other stakeholders within superscript that they're all very very on like team brand building exercises and they've given you the support to do these kinds of out there activities with the the marketing but you still probably had to communicate them why you were doing these processes and stuff like that what was there yeah. certain ways you framed it to to make sure it was clear to them like why this why this method could be effective while rather than just going pure yeah. demand gen yeah, I, 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 I'm lucky to have been around a long time. So I do, I do have a lot of experience, which I can draw upon and you know, bringing example of case studies of how I've made it work before to, to give some uh, comforting evidence that is the right approach to, to go with, with, with brand and, and performance in short term. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I like to substantiate things with actual data uh, and, and especially around commercial KPIs. So the way I've done it before is, is secured a test budget. Um, and and so for example, when we, before we went big on radio, um, we run a test just in London for a limited period of time and we were able to measure the impact of radio versus the rest of the UK uh, and do a lot of modeling around that and same, same for out of home as well. So it takes, you see if you've got experience and good example to, to illustrate what you're trying to sell to your CEO and CFO. And if you're able to secure, it doesn't have to be a large budget, especially for radio, by the way, if you're able to, um, to do some, some tests and have some real evidence um, on what that means in terms of number of customers or revenue, or in our case, uh, premium, aggressive uh, and premium, uh, it, it you know, it's, it's, it's just great, right? It, um, and then we, we've been able to scale all of, all of these. Um, and, and now Superscript has you know, very strong, strong awareness, which uh, we've, we've been growing. Um, we, we, we measure that quarter on quarter, um, really strong, very focused on London because we, we don't have yet uh, enough funding to, to go full on and go big nationally, but uh, we, we were getting some really, really good traction. Uh, that's that's just uh, talk about how how you're measuring the awareness. Like, what what kind of metrics are you using to measure brand awareness? Because that's often a very hard thing to communicate to the key other stakeholders within business. Like, yeah. what what does that actually mean for someone to be aware of the brand? Like, how do you actually show that that metric's going up? We 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 run a brand tracker. So uh, you know, again, some maybe early stage companies won't have the budget to, but actually we we run a brand tracker every quarter. Uh, that measures um, spontaneous awareness, unprompted awareness, uh, recall, purchase intent, etc. So I do have that data specifically. But to, to, to be honest, I think awareness is is a bit of a 
maybe it's a bit of a vanity metric and it's good to have for investors and the board, etc. Things like NPS, right? But what really matters, I guess, it's are we driving more people to website? Are we getting more people to start a quote? Are we converting more people, etc.? And so we measure that through um, uh, uh, sessions, you know, especially direct traffic, brand search impressions, uh, ads click through rate, etc. And that's that's far more meaningful. I think if I wasn't running the brand tracker, I, I would still still get the this the, the this our CEO and CFO on board because they probably would care care more about. Um, the, the more substantial metrics that eventually translates in uh, increasing net customer base, increasing in net premium. Of course, um, of course. I mean, that, but that's what they want to see at the end of the day. Yeah, and they? I think yeah. it impacts loyalty as well. When we, it's interesting when we run um, awareness advertising, we have seen spikes in customer referrals as well. Oh. So, which means, well, it's the brand I'm proud of actually, and I'm going to talk about it more. And I'm going to refer it more. So, there's, there's so many so many real benefits that aren't just vanity metrics of awareness, uh, in my opinion, and that we, we can, we certainly are super script, we can demonstrate through our, through our data. I mean, we, we track everything, you know, we are, we are tech and data business. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, yeah, that goes back to what we were saying before, that you can't have your customers being advocates for your brand if you don't have a brand at the end of the day. And they, yeah. they want a brand that they're proud of to show to their, their colleagues and friends is, is something they're an advocate for and having a, a good brand a good nice attractive brand is step one to that um, yeah absolutely yeah. And, it, and for b2b as well the same way that you are i can see so passionate about slack right <laughs> and you could probably describe slack if you can describe slack as a more than just a logo or word it's it's it's, it's amazing you know yeah. you, you you talk so passionately about it <laughs> but yeah it's definitely more than a messaging app for you <laughs> it is it is yeah. it is and, and i think that's something that we all need to be thinking about in the, in the b2b space is how, how do we make our, our products and our offerings more than just the products and the offerings how do we how do we connect emotionally with people and step one to that at least in my mind is building a strong brand um, i think that's something you agree with right Mike? yeah yeah awesome awesome so to, to sum things up Let's uh, let's say what is what is the golden rule of early stage branding? Like what what is step one that people should be thinking about in terms of developing a strong brand for an early stage company? Um, so I think early stage will be try to be very clear about who you are and what you stand for, so that you can translate that into um, a brand in terms of its uh, you know the tone, the visual and verbal. I think often the verbal tone gets forgotten about. You know, it's people think that brand is just like a visual thing, but you can translate that into a visual and verbal, unique uh, identity, and and also a strong messaging that really reflect what what were you about and what you exist. And I think it's important to get this right because everything that you do, in the brand, product, offering, etc., um, will we'll, we'll step from that, and then. Uh, yeah, and then start to, to, to build that spend time. I'd say if you don't have money yet to go out with advertising, I would recommend that you do spend time on your website experience um, and your, your customer contact channels as well. You know, get your, get your, uh, your, your chat messaging, your intercom right, for example. Mm -hmm. So we use intercom at, at Superscript. And actually, we, we don't use the default sort of messaging template. We actually spend quite a lot of time crafting 
crafting the messaging on, mm -hmm. on intercom and same for same for uh, all customer communications, I think, because you know, let's not forget that the customer facing teams from sales and customer success are your brand as well in the eyes of the customer. So um, that doesn't cost money, just time, you know, making sure that this is uh, right. Um, so yeah, the website, UX rights, I think um, if you, if you don't have a huge budget to spend on paid media, uh, I would I would I would say that your content and SEO would be key areas of focus for an early stage startup. You know, and, and your presence on social as well, which are which really embody your can embody your brand really well. Um, we we've done that super quick. Actually, we 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 in the early days it was all about content, mm -hmm. uh, SEO, social media, and then when we uh, when we started to close a bit more f funding, we we could we knew we could accelerate our growth by injecting more into into, into a pay per click search, for example. But actually, content also allows you to not just to um, present your brand in the right way, but also to attract customers at different stages of the funnel. That's the beauty of of uh, content versus like some of the maybe the paid search channels where you know depending on what stage of the journey you are you might just be you might just be evaluating your options or you might not even know what insurance cover you need actually but with the right content you could encourage your brand discovery at different stages um of of the funnel so a bit of marketing jargon <laughs> um i think um one of the things that's worked well with us as well is is partnerships so whether they're distribution partnerships like we have with Starling Bank, uh, Revolut or Amazon Business Prime, for example, again, they're a good way to drive uh, brand associations with potentially a bigger brand uh, and to, um, to be in the right place, right time for the audience, right? So it's all goes to, it's, it's, it's another form of um, uh, physical availability, right? The same way that your Google search rankings are, is being found where customers most need you. So we, we've got partnerships with, with QuickBooks, for example, and Amazon Business Prime and so on. And that's that's also a very good way to, in fact, it builds your brand as well, right? You know, partnerships are, are, are two-way things and it benefits it benefits you as well. So find it, but you need to find the right partnership. Some, some can be brand partnerships, not distribution-led, but again, with the, the right property, um, you can actually really enhance what what you're about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So great advice, Mai. Thank you very much for, for speaking to me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I love talking about branding. I know you love talking about branding. And I know I love chatting to you, Will, every time. Thank as you well. very much. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sure our audience has enjoyed it as well. Um, like branding, it's everything we do as a CMO, as CMOs, as marketers. Branding's at the core of everything. So really great conversation today. Thank you very much, Mai. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll be back soon with another CMO combo. Thanks so much for having me, Will.